Hey guys, John here. I just want to talk about something for a minute. We actually have a Patreon up right now in full swing, and that is our $5 a month plan. It's called Movie Lovers Classics. It covers bonus episodes, reviewing classic movies like you're about to listen to right now with the uh, little Caesar review that we just did, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, shoutouts on the main uh, feed, early access to episodes, and then we also have all-access documentary series review, which is $10 a month. And that includes bonus episodes, Eli Roth's History of Horror, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, shout-outs on the main feed as well. And then that also includes our classic... Uh, movie reviews as well and then our $20 a month plan is our VIP movie lover and that also includes bonus episodes classic movie reviews interviews with independent actors actresses directors and comic book writers and it also includes movie lovers documentaries and early access to episodes monthly newsletters free digital movies and shout outs on the main feed as well go ahead subscribe to the patreon we hope that we'll see you there and always until next time guys bye bye hello Hey, Tamika. Hey, how you doing? I'm just calling you. I'm... Oh, okay. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay, then. Well, welcome to my show. <laughs> oh, okay, so this is Tamika Talks. Okay, oh, I got okay. you. okay, this is how this going to be. Oh, okay, I see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, this is how this is going to be. This is how we're going <laughs> to play it out. Shit is about to go down. It's about to go down. Not too much down, though, because we got to keep no. our job. But it's going to go down. Exactly. Now. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, as everybody knows... You put yourself this is... on pause? Oh. No. I had it on oh, mute for I a minute. I thought you muted. Oh, okay. No, okay, go ahead. no I had it on mute. Because okay. I was okay. trying to go through my uh, notes that I took from today oh. for the for oh. the movie. Oh, Okay. Okay. You see, cool. uh, you see, I'm yeah. on my game. I got it. I got okay. this. All right. All right. Now. Boston <laughs> John. All right. <laughs> but to turn up in here. Okay. Oh boy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say welcome to everybody that is getting a chance to watch this live or listen to this live. Uh, this is actually the review for Judas and the Black Messiah. This movie came out yesterday at select theaters and also too on HBO Max. I had the privilege to actually watch this movie in the comfort of my own home rather than going to the movie theater and stuff like that. Because over here, at certain theaters or whatever, I don't think it's actually showing it over here. So I, I'm glad that I actually got a chance to watch this at my house. But I know you got the chance to watch this at the movie theater. Yes. Yes. I, I wanted to compare both experiences. Okay. Um, going to the movie theater... Um, the parking lot wasn't that packed, <laughs> so I went at two. So I was like, "Okay, what's going on here?" And the outside <laughs> of the theater looked dead, like the AMC lights weren't on, and I thought it was closed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I went inside, and yeah, everything in there was clean, but the, the floors were wet, so you had to be careful you didn't slip. So I was like, "It's a little too clean." <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but, uh, it's better to be they, too clean than not clean at all. So that's true. always a good. This is true. Yeah, because when he uh, did my ticket, like scan my ticket, he had a um, what do you call it, plexiglass. Yeah, I know what uh, you're talking the about. The ticket guy had it, so he scanned it from underneath the opening of the plexiglass, and I I went and got my popcorn 
like already reserved and they gave it to me or whatever. And when I went into the theater, it was, at first I thought I was the only one, right? Because it was kind of dark and I got there during the trailers. And I okay. thought, okay, so I'm the only one here. This is this is pretty cool. But then I was eating my popcorn, so I took the mask off for a minute. So I ate my popcorn, and then I heard crunch, crunch, crunch. I was like, that's not me, is it? And I was like, oh, it's somebody <laughs> else over there in the darkness <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> so it was uh, somebody else, but they weren't near me. Like, the row I was on, nobody was there. And the row in front of me, no one was there. And behind me, no one was there. That's but somewhere plus. off to the distance was uh, another human being <laughs> in the darkness <laughs> chewing on popcorn. And then it was like these two older um, people came in, but they sat on like a handicap row. Okay, I got so you. I'm assuming it was like, maybe like, let's see, counting me, that one, two, three, four. Maybe four people in the theater. That's not bad. I'm yeah. glad that they spaced it out and everything. Yeah, yeah. I think when I <clears throat> when I got the tickets, they kind of blocked off. Like when you get the tickets online, they put an X. Like this is blocked off. So I I don't know how it would be if there is a movie that everyone actually wants to see. Um, that's where I'll be interested to see how they'll do the seating arrangements. That would be interesting, to be honest with you, on how they would actually handle that. Maybe mm-hmm. they might actually have it to where maybe cardboard cutouts like the Super Bowl or something, <laughs> where you actually have no. two other people. <laughs> no, it's just my, my purse. You know, she had her own seat, so that was good enough for me. <laughs> okay. All right, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So, me and my purse saw Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. <laughs> so I just want to say this. I'm glad that we you introduced me to the documentary for Eyes on the Prize because this actually connects with Eyes on the Prize. Yes. And I definitely love it. For me, the viewing experience for me at home was really good and everything. I felt like I could actually get the same type of feel that I could at the movie theater for this type of film. It's just that I wish that I could actually see with other people just to see what their reactions would be, especially with the ending and the beginning and all that stuff to get their reactions. Mm. But other than that, though, I have to say I enjoyed the film for what it was for what it was. I like the fact, too, that it wasn't like a cliche kind of thing like Hollywood normally does with Black Panther, where you normally just see, okay, Black Panther, they have the berets, they have the guns, they have the leather jackets, and that's it. No background to who they are. No concept of who the Black Panthers are or anything like that in the movement that they were doing during that time. So I'm glad with this one particular movie, it wasn't like that cliche Hollywood kind of style. This actually feels like the rise of the Black Panther community, the rise of the members the and everything else. So I actually like that concept and everything. And I also like the fact too that it connects with Eyes on the Prize where we actually have uh, William O'Neill, who's actually busted for posing as an FBI agent and boosting a car. And after getting caught by Agent Mitchell, and he tells William that he's looking at 18 months for a stolen car, five years for impersonating an FBI agent. And William, or if you want to call him Bill, takes the deal to work with the FBI to be an informant for 
uh, the FBI. Martin Sheen also plays J. Igor Hoover. He believes that Fred Hampton is the Black Messiah and he is a dangerous threat. William Bill also struggles with what side he wants to be on, on the side of the FBI or on the side of the Black Panthers. So I definitely love that concept where, you know, Will is actually trying, William is actually trying to find a balance between, okay, what side am I supposed to be on? Am I supposed to be on the side of the FBI or am I supposed to be on the side of the Black Panthers? If I'm not on the side of the Black Panthers, the Black Panthers are going to kill me, just like they did with the Ku Klux, like the Ku Klux Klan members did and stuff like that to these other members. That I found out that they were an uh, FBI informant. So it's a tug of war game that William is actually playing on both sides of the fence. Yeah, yeah, it is. And like you said, I, I was first. I was geeking out because <laughs> so much of Eyes on the Prize is Me too. featured in this movie and the the documentary Eyes on the Prize. I guess a little background is. To me, in my opinion, it's the best civil rights documentary. But it it just goes from like a span of how the movement started. And uh, according to Eyes on the Prize, the movement started after Emmett Till's death. And then it really jumped off on um, Rosa Parks. So it it has footage of, um, you know, the civil rights leaders and those involved in the movement, like community leaders, too. And it has the actual people, the interviews, and half these people are dead now, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, so it's it's rare footage and it's interviews. And I'm I don't know when they started interviewing them. It was somewhere in the eighties that they interviewed yeah, it was in the all 80s. these people. And Bull Connor is in it, and he was one of the chief police who was um, pushing back against the civil rights movement. And you get to hear him talk, which um. I'm assuming he's dead now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you have like both sides, which made it interesting. You have the side that was against King and like all the civil rights, and you have them talking. So you hear their point of view, and then you have those who are for the movement, and you hear their point of view. And then there's Emmett Till's cousin. He talks about just what that was like for his cousin to die, and then you know, talked about his uncle. I think it's interesting. Like, it just gives, like, multiple perspectives from people that were there. The only issue is that it's very hard to get your hands on it. Um, you would go on Amazon and get it maybe, like, half the season for maybe, like, 20 bucks. But the rest, PBS, um, I guess, owns it. And it's a bunch of copyright um issues and legalities so you can only get it on PBS but it's like 300 bucks and it's called the AV version because they mostly reserve it for like educational institutions so I'm assuming with this movie because it half of eyes on the prize is the background to set up the film that they were able to get the rights for it or not the rights, but they were able to uh, talk to PBS, say, can we feature this documentary in our movie? Right, even if it's for, like, a small clip. Because it seems yeah. like they only, they could only get it for, like, a few seconds for that clip. Because that's what some uh, contracts actually do when it comes down to this kind of thing. Like, okay, you can only use 
this piece right here for maybe a 10 second or 10 minute spot and that's it you can't use mm-hmm. it for like the whole movie so some contracts are like that yeah yeah so i was also geeking out too because i was like wow we just it was just crazy that this actually connects with what we did for the documentary review I was like, okay, so this is how they're going to play it off. I'm like, okay, this is going to be all right. This is actually going to be pretty cool. As soon as I saw that it connected, I was instantly hooked in. Yeah, because we did that review. When did we do that review? Was it January, like early January? Yeah, it was early January, about last month that we did it. It's actually on the audio podcast and also on YouTube as well for on our channel for Movie Lovers Unite. Yeah. So if anybody wants to uh, watch Eyes on the Prize documentary review, go on here and check that out. It's like an hour-long review that we did it's awesome go check it out but uh let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this for a minute okay but as far as this movie goes i definitely love the pacing of the film it doesn't seem like it slows down until maybe the part where we actually have fred hampton and his soon-to-be wife or girlfriend that's actually pregnant for some romance and everything inside the film that's where it slows down just a little bit but it's a very quick uh fast-paced pacing movie for a two and hour two and a half hour movie so it doesn't even feel like a two and a half hour movie it doesn't it doesn't because you're you're so engaged in it um and i in the beginning say i actually thought like william o'neill was a uh fbi agent right you know because it it cut i like the way they <laughs> introduces him you know me too it, I don't know the the name of that shot, but it's like when a person is going into an establishment, the camera follows them from the back. I think that's what you call a one shot. Okay. Where it actually follows the person in. Yeah, they they have a lot of those. So it just follows him in and he just picks this guy. He's like, hey, you're under arrest. And they're like, who are you? I'm an FBI. Look at my back. Look at it. Don't look too close. Just look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I, and I, and I, and I don't know be, how they right. didn't know that he was wasn't an FBI agent. Maybe he did this before, and they recognized his face. Well, from what I gather, don't forget he's actually coming from the back, so nobody knows what he looks like. Mm. So that's another thing too. But he's like, "I'm FBI. I'm an FBI agent. Someone stole your car, and." So he winds up taking this person's car and he's also posing as an FBI agent, like I mentioned before. But I definitely love that scene. I love how, the, like I mentioned, with the camera angle, the way that it panels in from the back and then as he's entering in the building, you actually see him enter. Mm-hmm. I definitely love that. And then also, too, whenever he has the gun pointed to the guy's back and he's like, uh, your car, this car was uh, reported stolen. And you're gonna have to come come with me. I need I need the key so I can take it back. Next thing you know, it he goes on ahead. He uh, the guy winds up giving him the keys, but as he's leaving, he, he realizes that the badge is actually fake. <laughs> and that, <laughs> well, he he punched and, him in the face. Well, he, whatever. He yeah, did, he, like head butted him, and his his hat yeah. fell off. Right, and then the guy right. looked at him, and he was like, "You ain't no FBI agent." And I was like, he must right. have did this way too many times for somebody to recognize his face. And the cool part Especially was when he bo- got in the... Yeah, go ahead. Especially boosting inside the same neighborhood. So that's yeah, a big thing, no, too. No, you you're just asking for 
And then it was, it had like a horror movie element to it where he got in the car and the guy who was the owner of the car slashed the top of the, the panel of the car with a knife and he came down with the knife and just slashed the top of the, the roof panel and tried to grab him from the steering wheel. I was like, whoa, it's like a horror movie. <laughs> right, because I'm actually feeling that too, like that suspense of like, oh my God, is this guy going to make it out of this thing? Yeah. Or not, you know? Yeah. Oh, we actually have a message. Oh, let's see what we got. Roar, roar, roar. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah. Continue. Okay, no so anyway. please. <laughs> exactly. If, if, if I have please stupid have messages. Please have something to talk about. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyways, like I mentioned before, I was actually feeling suspense from William and I was wondering how was he going to get out of that situation. And then all of a sudden he winds up getting arrested by the by the FBI and everything as he's driving away. And that's actually where we actually meet up with the uh the agent, which is actually Roy Mitchell is actually the agent. The actor that's playing him is Jesse uh, Pellin Lemons, I want to say that's actually how you say the his name. He's actually played on. Br- he reminds me of like Matt Damon's brother or yep. cousin. He looks just like him, but like he could be his stand-in. Yeah, I, most definitely. To be honest with you, that's why I went on ahead and looked at IMDb. I'm like, is that Matt Damon? Because that's like yeah. not the first time I looked him up. That's like my third or fourth time that he's done this to me. <laughs> so. <laughs> How dare he do that to you, John? <laughs> right? Like, for instance, I saw him on Date Night. He was on that movie. Uh, and then also, too, he was also on a, on Breaking Bad as well. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see a, a film with him and Matt Damon in it. <laughs> and I just want my mind blown. <laughs> but let's see here. Like I was mentioning before, that's whenever he winds up telling Bill, uh, when Roy winds up telling Bill, he goes, hey, look, you're going to be going to jail. You're going to be doing 18 months for a stolen car and five years for impersonating an FBI agent. Either you go ahead and be an informant for us, or you're going to go to jail for a very long time. So Bill winds up, which is also William O'Neill. So whatever one you want to go by, William or Bill, that's... um. That's where it actually starts out with the FBI wanting him to be an informant. And the deeper he gets, the, the more he starts getting crazier, though, to himself. It has a little bit of a departed kind of feel to it, if you actually think about it. Because yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio was going through the same thing. Yeah, it, it's because there there's duality in it. Um, it's like you you go in, and I could see I could see the change in him throughout the movie. Like, he went in, like, oh, okay, I'm getting paid. So, yeah, whatever information you want. But the closer he got to Hampton and formed this kinship with all of them, especially toward the end of the movie, the more difficult it became for him to give up information. And I think Definitely. that that is uh, common in all informants. Most definitely. And what I liked about this was... I have to give credit to Daniel Kalua, who played Fred Hampton. He did a fantastic job of playing Fred. Yeah, I actually felt like I was in that time era. And also, too, I need to actually say this about Fred and everything, too. 
he I liked it when it shows him giving to the community, showing a way to teach the kids, showing a way of trying to do something honest with everyone. And everybody was looking to him as a threat, but really he wasn't a threat or anything like that. I believe that if we if white people started helping um, within the color community, I believe that we wouldn't even have that movement to begin with. If they if if we would have actually started doing things right, what well, you know that made him a threat to the FBI. And I was talking to my sister about this. Was uh, it was okay as long as you know it was the Black Panthers, right? And it was just all right. black people. But as soon as he started spreading out, and the scene that had me on the edge of my seat was he went into a white nationalist meeting. And I was like, what is going on? What are you doing there? What are you doing? Leave your gun in the car? What are you doing? And they know who, they said, oh, you must be Fred Hampton. I'm like, they know who he is? And then he started talking to them like, you know, the police, um, they they um, they threatened you guys too. And he's like, you know, we're all in this together. And we're fight. we're supposed to fight on the same side, you know. And Right. And they were shaking their head like, mm. I said, this guy is magic. He could get like <laughs> white nationalists to agree. And what made him more of a threat was, I believe, was getting those white nationalists and more white people in the party. You're that right. That what made him a threat. Just like if you get like different races together, right, then you're a threat. Because there always has to That's be a true. division between us all to keep us all in line. But if right. they all came together as one race against like poverty or injustice or stuff like that, then we could change a lot of things. And I, I think that's what Hampton was, his main aim was. Like it did go from black power, but then it went to like, you know, revolutionary and for the people, people power. Right, you know, and I love the transformation of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you could, so that's what made him a threat to Hoover, really. Just, and you can see that with all the leaders, like Malcolm X was, which we're going to talk about in our Black History series later on. But as long as Malcolm X, you know, he he was with the Muslim Party, or Muslim, sorry, not party, but Muslim, and a Nation of Islam. So when he started branching out, you know, just like including white people, including others, and Martin Luther King, they became big threats because it's like these people could overthrow us. And if you step back and think about it, you could really change and, and do a lot when you have like uh, different groups of people of all races. But Definitely. Most if definitely. you, you know, without being a huge conspiracy theorist, once something like that happens and you start to see everybody kind of come together, like different races, just notice how there's always going to be a divider because that's too much power. So they always have to keep us divided. Yeah, they always have to keep us divided, segregated and everything because they want confusion and build mm-hmm. confusion because the more confused we are, the more that we're separated, the more conflict we'll have with each other rather than being united. 
and everything on different race. Yeah, um, and and if you're divided, if we're all divided, then you can keep more control over a group of people. Exactly. And another thing, though, that I want to actually mention, too, that I really thought that was really good was the fact that when you remember when Jake or Hoover saw that he was a threat, where we saw mm-hmm. Hampton was a threat. Yeah. Remember when Roy was inside his office, they were trying to do anything and everything to try and shut Hampton down. It didn't matter if they broke the law or not. And if you look at the if you look at the expression on Roy's face, you can definitely tell he was not okay with that because he was actually one of the straight edge kind of people where he wanted to abide by the law. Mm, yeah, when they had that other informant in there, which right, you can <laughs> right. It was just amazing that you know you didn't know who to trust in the party. Like you would somebody come up and be like. Yeah, be a revolutionary man, da da da. And then <laughs> next thing you know, they're like, "Oh, that's Agent Thomas." Agent Thomas, what? I thought I was the only FBI informant in here. It's it's like you don't know who to trust. Who to trust? And exactly. That, I think that was the theme too in the movie. Like in the party, there were FBI informants that were black, <laughs> and that's that. Just I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if the the sorry, I don't know if the Panthers had could have come up with a way to tell right. who's an informant or not. Like right. a, a little litmus oh. test or something. Let's see here. We actually have two messages real quick. No. Oh, Let's see what we got. Okay. I choked. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. Next message. Underage reported. Okay. Oops. Yeah, anytime when we have someone that's underage, we actually have to report that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no underage, yeah. no stupid questions. Just just be real with us. Just get in, right. engaged in the conversation. Don't just move right. like a cow, waste our time. Because we're just exactly. we're here to talk about movies, and this is a serious matter. So Exactly. Be involved, please. Definitely do not waste our time because yeah. we are actually trying to make something out of this. And this yeah. is actually something that is very important in black history for this month. So please don't be one of the, one of the um, ball ball bags that would actually go on ahead and disrupt the show. Not a ball bag. John. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. So anyways, that's my little Italian side coming out on me. I'm oh, sorry. No. It doesn't. So, <laughs> Boston John. So any- <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, okay. um, so I definitely liked. And here's another thing, though, too, that I liked about William is the fact that yeah, it shows him at the first where he's actually having a good time with this whole entire thing because he's actually getting paid, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Yeah, here you go. I got I got some other information for you," and just passes him the wire that he had on him. And things like that. But he's like, but I don't know how to get closer to Hampton. That's one of the challenges that I have. How do I get closer to him? I need a car in order for me to get closer to him. Because without that car, I can't escort him to anywhere. I can't help him with anything that he needs help on. So they actually get him the car. And that also helped him build that relationship with Hampton. To where Hampton actually trusted him. 
which I really liked. I really liked the chemistry between them because it actually felt like a brotherhood of uh, between them two. But I also want to touch on something else, though, too, that you touched on briefly. You know how you said different races coming together as yeah. one? Okay. You actually had the Patriots, this other uh, organization that's actually white people are part of that community and everything. So you actually have that community. You have the Hispanics community coming together. Then what was the name of that other gang that he was trying to get them together with Oh, the uh, crown. with him. Yeah, yeah, it was the like a Chicago gang, a black gang. Right. The crown, yeah. So they and were trying can... to, so he was trying to get right. He was trying to get three different organizations together to stand up for what was right, which is like mind-boggling. Because you're yeah. thinking, okay, these these three sides are going to have conflicts. There's no way that they can agree on each on anything. Mm-mm. And he did it. He managed yeah. to actually convince them that you know, we need to be united. We're in the same situations as everybody else. We put our pants on just like everybody else. We need to stick together. Yeah, and and like and I said, I what well there was a couple moments that had me on the edge of my seat. You know when he went to the the crown, the white supremacy, black, right? Yeah, the um, Chicago black gang, and he went into their their ter- their turf, right? And the leader of that gang show him a pamphlet that the FBI wrote that was dogging out the crown and saying that the Black Panthers called them rats and blah 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 and Hampton was like you know the FBI wrote that and they were squaring off right just looking each other in the eye and I was so scared because everybody we went to that was outside the Panthers he's like okay we're going to leave our weapons in here I was like leave your weapons what's wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he had that much confidence that I can I can come out and make these people allies. So hmm. I don't need I just gonna use my words to convince them. I Which is powerful. Somebody had like a little piece on them just in case <laughs> it went south. But you know, he you could see that the leader of that game looked Hampton in the eye and saw, okay, this man is a just man. So I believe him. So he gave him his weapon. But the informant exactly. almost got called out. Because <laughs> he was like, you stole my car. And I was like, oh no, this is it. <laughs> this is it for him. He, he's out. <laughs> yep, game over. <laughs> That's game a wrap. Over. But we, yeah. Yeah, I like but we even see that though. Yeah. Right. But don't forget though, we even see that on another part where, he, well, in the same scene, where they're actually getting the uh, pool, uh, the the pool balls together in a oh, man. in a sock, getting ready to knock Hampton out. Ooh, that's called old school fighting, John. <laughs> you get like pool like... balls, they knock somebody outside the head. They don't do that no more. <laughs> no, no, they don't. But then here comes William with the pool stick. <laughs> and told him if he didn't back away, he was going to knock his ass out with a pool stick. Wow. Yeah. And then that's how Hampton got comfortable <laughs> with him. It's like, wow, you're right. wild bills now. But I like the woman in there. His, mm-hmm. I forgot what she, what her name was, who questioned Hampton and was like, "Are you an informant?" And I like how she put her her leg on the the armrest and she told the guy, "She's like comrade Thompson or whatever." Let's just say a name Thompson. 
I was like, pull this knife out my sock. I was like, this chick is gangster. Mm-hmm. Like, I just aspire to be like her. <laughs> I need to get my fro together and just keep a knife in my sock. <laughs> like, it got real though up in that car, though. I'm not going to lie. I was worried about gun. him. She had the shot. Yeah, I, had, I was worried about him, too. I was like, does he know how to hot wire a car? And he's and like, you can yeah, tell clearly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can tell clearly though. He does not know how to hotwire a car. He just knows how to take people's shit and take their car and run Man. with it. So if he was playing on a miracle. Start up, he would have been gone. <laughs> Definitely, that girl. She she was packing. She knew how to pack yeah. uh, some weapons on her though. Yeah. I'd be more worried yeah. about her than Hampton, to be honest with you. That's why Hampton but, sent her out there. He was like, take right. care of him. He seems suspicious. He knew she had right? it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what else I th- thought that was funny, though? When Hampton says, you know what? We don't need no gun. All we have to do is have uh, Bill over there with a pool stick. <laughs> <laughs> wild Bill. <laughs> right. Wild Bill with a Man. pool stick. Uh, well, that made me laugh. Going back to Sunday, I actually like that Hampton or the guy to play Hampton, and I'm sure he said this too in real life. You know, he 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 didn't. Mm, women had an important role too in in this party. Like everybody was a comrade, and you could tell that. I think on the board he was writing something about socialism. So I I think they they had some elements of socialism and communism I'm assuming because they called yep. each other comrades. Yep. Uh, and and that made them even more dangerous. But you know he was like you know that's your comrade in arms, you know. And I don't think he let I don't think he wanted them to fraternize like the women and men no. in the party. Which I don't know how that was possible. You with somebody that close. <laughs> The whole time, exactly. I'm not fraternized with you. Well, another thing though, too, Hampton actually broke his one rule about that because he did fraternize with that one, uh, that one woman that was in there with. Him. Yeah. So he broke one of his key rules. So yeah, I don't. Think I don't he think he was it planning on it too. Yeah, no, I don't think no. he saw it too because she she just came out of nowhere. He was like, "Whoa!" And she's, she's on that kid. same level as Hampton. Yeah, she she comes from like a, a quieter version of him. Like she's not as outspoken, but she's as much as a revolutionary as he is. Right, Deborah Johnson is actually her yeah. name, her character yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, played by Dominique uh, Fishback. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, I definitely love, I definitely love the character development with her, and everything in the chemistry between her and Hampton. I thought that. It connected very well, and like you said, on a deeper level with Hampton and her, they were dynamite mm-hmm. together. They were yeah. everything that you want from a power couple, co- mm-hmm. uh, power couple during that time period. Yeah, and and Daniel Kalua, uh, <laughs> like the drink Kalua. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was fine. I'm sorry, John. I'm gonna have to just be girly for a minute. Yeah, he it's was okay. Really fine. Go ahead and be girly. Okay, thank you. So he was really fine. Very well. And I was watching him the whole time, and I was like, "Dang, he's first off, he's like real, like bulky, and then he was wearing them tight shirts, and then he he was like, you know, the mustache and the facial hair and his hair, and I was like, dang, he looked good.' And then I was <laughs> like, "Whoa, whoa, 
I'm feeling something here in between my legs. <laughs> and I'm trying to focus. And I was like, wow, this dude is hot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. I, I would be a revolutionary for him. Ugh. I know you would. It was, it was hard for me to concentrate at times, John. I'm telling you. Then I got jealous. I was like, dang, she's so lucky. And then that part where, the, where they were talking about coffee, right? He was like, how do you take right. your coffee? And she was like, black and sweet. And I was like, maybe we, he probably wouldn't want to date me because I like cream in my coffee and sugar. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know if he would have. I probably wouldn't been his type. Cause I don't, I don't think know. so. Oh, I don't. Man. I don't know about that. I don't know about what kind of cream if he would like cream. Babies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> okay. So. But that was like really attractive, and I found out that he he is dating um, a, a actress. But her dad was an activist in um, uh, the Mangrove Restaurant. Her dad was a, a black activist in England. Like there's a series of films oh, wow. that they have on Amazon Prime, um, Small Acts. There, they have a one of the scene, one of the series. There's a uh, a movie on the Mangrove Restaurant. So it was kind of like a little. He was forming kind of like a Black Panther type thing in Britain. So that's her dad. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, she's lucky too. Okay. <laughs> but um, what else shirt. I have to say? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm playing. Just live it out to me, Just, just live it out. I know. <laughs> he's very good looking. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Okay. So. Another thing that I have to say that I enjoyed about this is the fact that, you know, we're actually going inside the Black uh, Panther's headquarters. We're actually seeing how it's actually being built up, the development of it, and things like that. The work that Hampton has done is just uh, just amazing. It's an amazing movement. And also, too, at this time, this is when Bill is actually starting to panic a little bit. Yeah, as yeah, well. especially with the FBI informant, where, well, before we knew this, this guy was an informant. They said, "Yeah, we we found a rat in the organization, and we killed him and dropped him in the bottom of the sea." And I was like, "Oh shit, dang, oh my gosh!" And then we found out that they just made that up, like the informant made it up, and it really is- wasn't anybody. He just kind of did that so he get credit. From the the Black Panther group, right, and then of course it got reported over to the FBI, and that's how we actually found out it was fake. It was like fake news for them. Yeah, and then so you know the FBI, they they were smart and putting like pawns in the game, you know, because because like the guy said, this informant, not Bill, but it's the another informant was put in there. So that every every um chapter, Black Panther chapter that he went to, the police could raid because they could arrest him and say that he had a warrant out for him for murder. So that's what the whole thing was that they put in play. Right. Which was kind of smart, even though they suck. It was it was definitely a power play. 
I yeah. do have to give the FBI that. It was definitely a power play on their part. They did a really good job at setting that up. And then also, too, Bill's also scared out of his mind. And at that time, too, we actually have the FBI agent, Roy, who's actually said, what did I tell you? They're not any different than the Ku Klux Klan. Because remember, with the Ku Klux Klan, they actually went on ahead and uh, decastrate uh, somebody. Mm. Uh, and everything too and with this story that this guy made up he they poured boiling hot water on this guy mm. remember and yeah. so of course Bill's scared out of his money like I don't know if I can do this anymore I, I want out I can't do this anymore man I, I need out I need out and he's like I already told you if you do not do this you're going to go to prison so mm-hmm. his back is up against the wall. Bill's um, back is up against the wall. He has no choice but to do what he's doing. And then, of course, you know, at that time, he actually hangs up on the agent. And at that time, I was wondering, okay, so he might be going rogue after that. Mm, that's yeah, that's one. what I thought, too. Because you can definitely tell during that time when Hampton comes out of jail and everything, he's at the rally. And mm. he's over there doing everything that Hampton is doing. He's um, he's celebrating with him. He's raising his fist in the air. Then all of a sudden, it cuts to the FBI agent that's actually in the crowd. Mm. Yeah, Matt Damon. Yep. <laughs> or <laughs> Matt yeah. Damon with a skull cap on. Right. And he waves to him to acknowledge that he's there watching him. But I wish that they would have actually showed how much time has passed since that last time that they talked. Mm, okay that's one of the little small nitpicks i have they don't actually show how many years he's actually been in this position or anything like that we know it's been some years but we don't Mm -hmm. know the amount of time that he was in there either so that's like a little small nitpicky thing uh Mm -hmm. we do have a message let's see what we got okay okay i guess people aren't serious about um black rights so just being stupid. Yeah, anybody has a stupid message like that, they just don't really care about black rights or anything like that. So, moving on. Okay, so we can't control what people do. We can only control how we act. So, let's go ahead and continue. Um, So, anyways, like I mentioned this, he's actually in the crowd. And I wish that, like I said, it's a little small nitpicking thing where I wish they would actually showed where, how many years that he was actually in this thing and how many years it was between the agent and Bill where, where they stopped talking and stopped communicating with each other. If they stopped communicating at all. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's yeah, something else totally. that I was curious about. Yeah. So that was some of the things that I had that was a little small nitpicky things, but still I enjoyed the movie for what it was, what it is. So, let's see what we got. I'm sorry you guys had to deal with stupid people. I'm just here listening, and I haven't watched the movie yet. So, I'm getting all the spoilers, and I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Tamara. Yeah, we're sorry. We have to deal with immature people, too, because this is a, a really important movie. And we would like people to, you know, participate and tell us their thoughts but clearly they just want like one minute of fame 
or whatever to be on air for one minute, but they don't want to engage in the conversation. And if they were smart, they would get something out of it. Exactly. And they treat this as like a comedy show and everything with the stupid fart noises and everything else. When this is not even something to be. How you doing? This right. This this would be different if this was actually a comedy. Um, where we're actually doing a review on a comedy movie, something that was actually funny, and we actually had some people that was actually doing sound effects or whatever. But to do that is just plain ignorant. Whenever it comes down to this type of review, that we're doing. Yeah, and like people died, like right. And you're just showing that you are inhumane and ignorotic. Like, you just don't really care. And that's what part of the problem is in this society. You have people that just don't give a damn. They just want to crap all over things that are serious because they don't know how to handle um, people who who died or or tough subjects so their default is i'm just gonna be immature hello how's your day going i just wanted all right what was that oh yeah okay so okay moving on yeah let's go on ahead um like i mentioned and everything i think that the best thing that they actually did with this was actually show the um the confrontation, the conflict within with uh, with Bill and everything too, because he's like, I, here's the thing. I love the one shot angle where he's in the car and he's pulling into the Black Panthers uh, headquarters and it shows him inside the car. It feels like that we're actually in the car with him rather than us just being a viewer. It actually feels like we're part of this uh, journey that he's on. Yeah, oh yeah, and the scene too, going back to my favorite character, the female lieutenant, as I'm going to call her, <laughs> with a okay. switchblade in her sock. <laughs> you know, when the police came and they were shooting and Bill was like, okay, I'm going to go to the roof. And she was like, oh, okay. And she was out there with her shotgun, like boom, boom, <laughs> boom. You know, super gangster, superhero woman. And then he's trying to find a way out because he knows the cop, the police is gonna just shoot everybody up in their headquarters. And we, oh. the camera follows him right where he's trying yeah, to go the- downstairs. And the man like, "Hey, man, where you going?" He like, "Shit, oh, I'm going to the <laughs> roof." And then we're following right. him like, "Whoa, we can't get out of here, man!" <laughs> right, exactly. And then I also like it too. It focuses back on the lieutenant though from a corner, get a corner kind of angle. Yeah. Where where it shows them shooting and at the same time we're actually wondering how the hell do we get out of this place and everything where are we going to go bill there's nowhere See, to go i was surprised that nobody noticed him he's he is tricky he slipped out of there just mm-hmm. in time and i'm surprised that all he did was take took his beret off and like his black jacket and he just became like uh camouflaged in society like that that was pretty neat as well me too it felt like a spy type of thriller type of film at that yeah. point it actually felt like he was just like a civilian all over the streets prote- protesting rather than being someone that was up there with them and also too i also want to mention this i also felt like maybe even if he was captured i thought maybe or arrested i thought that maybe you know they would actually arrest him and it'll be connected over to him being an fbi informant 
as well. I thought that he probably should have came out with them and got arrested and then um whatever the, the you know the fake the fake Matt Damien <laughs> could have just took him and said, Oh, I'm gonna take him in the office. I'm gonna get this no gooder. And then he had him in the private office and he was like, Okay, what what information you got? You know, you see that right. in the spy movies where they I think it was in the departed too. Like when Leo got arrested, right, with the gang so that his cover wouldn't get blown and the gang would just see, oh, he got arrested like we did. Right. It was actually to actually do a background check on him if the gang wanted to go in and infiltrate his background mm-hmm. and to make it feel like it was one of the gang members. And with this, though, he has a criminal record, but there was no way of actually back checking uh, somebody's information during that time. Oh, man. Don't forget, there's <laughs> there was no internet, there was no computers, there was no way to actually get that kind of information unless you actually paid somebody off to get that kind of information. Dang. So there's that. But Mm. you know what, though? I was actually surprised that nobody even mentioned, where were you? Where were you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where were you, man? I guess they thought he was on the roof. They must have thought he must have got shot or something. No, no, no. Yeah. That's a good question. Nobody asked where he was. Right, because I thought for sure he was like, well, I thought somebody would actually ask, especially the lieutenant girl was like, where were you? You said you were on the roof, but, you know, I don't, I didn't see you get taken in. I didn't see what was going on with you, but you said you were on the roof being a lookout and it made sense for you to be the lookout because of the fact that they're, they're going to be coming in at all angles. Mm-hmm. And where were you? It's kind of like that time with uh, Big Pussy and, uh, and the Sopranos for instance, oh, yeah. uh, where basically they let this one character out of jail and they made him look like he was the snitch. Mm. So when Big Pussy gets out of pr- prison and everything, it makes it, no. well, I might have gotten that backwards. They got Jimmy out of prison. Jimmy was actually makes and everything. They didn't know which one was the rat. They were thinking either it was Big Pussy or it was actually Jimmy. That was the rat. But it turned out it was Big Pussy that was the rat. Instead of um, Jimmy. Jimmy was just a stupid person in general. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> it made me wonder though. Why they didn't question him. Why they didn't question him. Mm, at all. For yeah. him not being on that roof. And what what bothered me too. Was I didn't see the, the lieutenant girl anymore. Like did no. she die? I didn't know where well, she went to. Well don't forget. They threw her in the trunk. Yeah, the paddy wagon. Yeah, they threw it in the back of the uh, in the paddy wagon, but also too, I'm wondering if they did something to her on the way. Don't forget, they've been they were killing Black Panther members. Yeah, that's true. So I was but wondering if she got killed. Said it right when they would have said such and such died too. True, that's also true because he didn't mention any of the names. Remember when William was mentioning all the names to Hampton of everybody that died. Mm-hmm. And everything and her name didn't seem like it popped up. I'm gonna have to rewatch it again because there's a lot of stuff that just the process in general with this film. Yeah. But man, uh when I first when I saw the gasoline cans coming out of the police cars, I'm like, oh shit, are they gonna throw her in the back of the car and everything and burn her alive? Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Because that's my first instinct was like, okay, is she going to be burnt alive for being a Black Panther member? And all, not only that, but also, also too, the police officers were also amped up to the point where they were pissed off already because they were in the shootout with the Black Panthers. So I was also wondering, too, if this might actually engage in the fact that maybe they might actually burn her alive. But instead, they burned down the quarters instead. Yeah, yeah, they did. And and there, if you fact check, it's true that they they actually did burn down a lot of, of their chapters. Like they would raid the place, um, pick out stuff, and just burn their chapters down. Yep. And at this yeah. time, Hampton was actually in prison mm-hmm. when all this was going on because yeah. they picked them up on some stupid BS charge for stealing what chocolate or something. Yeah, uh, ice something cream. To do with- yeah, seventy dollars worth of ice cream. <laughs> That's all they could get them on. <laughs> like really, seventy dollars worth of ice cream. <laughs> that is such bullshit. You it know, is. bullshit charges, man. They're like, what we gotta do? Oh, ice cream. It's like with Capone. You know, they couldn't get none on him. They're like, uh, he didn't do his taxes. Taxes. Yep, so let's just go and get on Capone. Tax. <laughs> taxes. But you, there you go. But you see, though, El Capone was actually reasonable because of his taxes. This yeah. is ice cream. He's ice not cream. causing any harm with ice cream. <sighs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's funny, but it's also not funny at the same time. It's funny yeah. because of how stupid it is. Yeah. On a charge like that, because I understand the FBI was trying to say, okay, we have to stick him with something. So what do we charge him with? Oh, let's charge him with ice cream. Ice cream. And next thing, and that's what he, that's what that's also why he was in prison. I'm actually liking how he's looking at everybody in the prison cell, looking at his brothers. And I'm not saying like blood brothers. I'm talking like people in general, like brothers and that yeah. brotherhood. Yeah, he still he's, had a brotherhood in jail. Like, right. He he could still he was writing to the his chapter outside of jail and just giving them encouraging words. And he was also encouraging his brothers in jail. So he was still a threat, even right. in jail. Right, because also, too, he was also trying to form another version of the Black Panthers while he was in jail. Yes. So it was like Black Panthers 1.2 or 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that was also another thing. And that was something that I thought that was actually pretty neat, even though he's in jail. Just because he's in jail doesn't mean that you can silence him. Mm-mm. You can't. It doesn't mean that you doesn't. And just because you have him in jail doesn't mean that he's not a threat because now he's twice as powerful because of the fact that he has other brothers in there with him. Yes. And another thing that I like was, you know, Bill is actually having that struggle, like I mentioned, where he doesn't know which side to actually be on, either the FBI or the Black Panther side. But I, what I love about this, though, was he decides to go on ahead and rebuild the headquarters for Hampton whenever he gets out of jail. I thought that was strange. Yeah, that I, I guess I could see a little bit of a turning point then. You know, right. Rebuilding the headquarters. Right. Because in Donnie Brasco, too, with the FBI, with him being an FBI agent and also being undercover, mm-hmm. he, there was that power struggle with him where he was trying to lean towards either being in the mob or being in part of the FBI. Yeah. Lifestyle. Because he saw the money. He saw the power and being in that situation. Now, with uh, William, on the other hand, it was like, I'm with my brothers. I have family. I have everything I need and want. And everything. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because most of what I've seen of O'Neill, he lived alone, like a loner right. life. And you you go from a loner life to the brotherhood. Um, that would create a change in you where you would have just this intense inner conflict. Right. And then also, too, I think by by towards the end of it, I think Bill just wanted to get out of this situation and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Because, remember, he actually brings C4 to Hampton <laughs> and also Hampton's bodyguard. And he goes, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, was, like, let's blow this whole police station up. That was when, um, what's that guy's the name? City Hall. Uh, yep. Uh, one of the Panther members. Was it, what's his name? Jimmy? Something yeah, like Jimmy that. Yeah, Jimmy died. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. had died because, remember, the cops killed him while he was in the hospital because he got shot. When, remember, he was actually No, no, no. Walking... It was like, yeah, it was, it was somebody, like you said, that went, because uh, the cops were harassing this black-owned grocery store. And I forgot right. that guy's name, but he went in there and he got shot by the cops, right? And his right. friend came to visit him. Uh, long story short, the the guy that uh, was in the hospital and got shot, the police took him out of the hospital and basically murdered him. <laughs> you know? Um and then he went to confront the orderly and ask him what happened to my friend. And I think that's... Anyway, he got murdered. Um, and that's when the C4 came. Right. And he's like, man, we're going to blow up City Hall. We're going to do yeah. this. You said... And this is what he said. He goes, you said we need to rise up against these people. We need to do this. He goes, man, not like that. That's just some fucked up shit. Is basically mm-hmm. what he said. <laughs> yeah, he's like, if you do that, they're gonna come after us ten times more. And it it was, you know, and then when he got back in the car, he took his wire off, and I was like, oh, I see what's going on. He was trying to get him to say, yeah, let's blow up this place. Right, because he was trying to get anything on him, so that way he can just close the case and he can move on with his life. Because yeah. I think at this time he's just tired of it. He's tired of being a double agent. He's tired of doing this. And everything, and at that, he's at his breaking point, and you can't blame the guy because everywhere he looks, he's having nightmares. He's having PTSD moments. He's also having nightmares that someone's going to find out he's actually a black, not a Black Panther member, but also an informant for the FBI, and he's going to get killed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that's a hard life to to be an informant. I would think. Because you it go is. in it's... with one purpose in mind, and you're like, okay, well, in his case, it was just, you know, if I give information on the Panthers, I can get some money. You know, he just did it for the money. Right, and for his freedom, though, too. Yeah, it's and like, for his freedom. It's like, shit, why not? Going ahead and milk the cow while I have the chance. I can make money off the FBI, the government, and also have a little bit of freedom, and also pay off my debt and everything, too. So why not have the best of both worlds? Yeah, because yeah, that, because remember that's we he was coming from right because remember we see him walk into this restaurant all the time with uh, with the FBI agent whenever he's meeting up with uh, Roy, and one minute he has his sunglasses on, he thinks he has it all together, and everything. Yeah, he, he start changing. Yeah, 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 because he's up there. 
And you know what's funny, John? He when he met with the FBI agent, he would eat steak, right? Yeah. So you can see he's elevated. Why did right. after the movie, why did I go to Outback Steakhouse and I was like, I want some steak? <laughs> so it had nothing to do with me just like going against the pastors. I was like, if he eats steak, damn it, I can eat it too. Right. <laughs> without betraying anybody. Yeah, without but he just eating steak, like, yo, what's up? I got this on the pamphlet. And he just like eating this steak like mm, mm. it reminded me of that scene in the Matrix, you know, where he went to the agent. Oh, yeah. Um, what's his I forgot the guy's name in the Matrix when he betrayed like Neil. Neil? Yeah. Yeah. And and Morpheus. And the the agent gave him steak too. Right. Because I mean I can right. taste it, but this looks yeah. good. Okay, yeah. so so that's different from what I did. Right. You <laughs> Yeah, I didn't betray nobody. I just like got steak from my own money. Right. And hopefully <laughs> to have that same experience that he did from Black from the Black Panthers. Yeah, I can sleep <laughs> at night. He didn't. Right. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, okay, moving on. So, by the time this film actually wraps up and everything, it winds up being really good. Like I said, the only slow part was the relationship between Hampton and his girlfriend whenever they um basically she becomes pregnant. And I also liked it too where he said he would die for the revolution and then she winds up saying this to him. He goes, "Do we really want to put our kid in this in this position?" to where yeah. you're going to die for the revolution. It's like, what about me? What about our kid? This is no longer about you anymore. This is about the two of us. Yeah, yeah. And you can see that conflict, that uncertainty in her face where he was like, I would die for the people and I would die for the revolution. And she's touching her belly like, wait a minute, he, he don't care about us? And she talked to him about that. And she was, you know, he read her diary and she was just talking about how she's a terrible mother. And she was like, well, how could I bring my child into this war zone? You know, and then right. Fred started to change too, because he was like... What's that? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, he was like, you know, uh, when I was in jail, uh, it was all about the people, and now I found out that you're pregnant, I have something to live for. So there was a change coming about him as well. So he was conflicted was, too. That's true. He was very conflicted. Because he was like, I've been doing this all my life. This is what I know. I'm 23 years old or 21 years old. And I've been doing this revolution for a long time. And if I'd stop now, it's for nothing in his mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, I always, and here's the thing, he's not, a, I never really felt like Fred was a dangerous person at all, you know, but it's like his purpose meant a lot to him. Like, if he felt like he had to disconnect himself from it, I feel like he didn't know what to do after that. Yeah, yeah, like this, this was, this defined him, you know, and right, like you said, if the party was no more, then where would he be? But now right. he has a child. He's like, wow, this is like a different equation here. Um, I have a, a son, and I kind of want to be around for my son. 
Right. You know, because at first it was like I would die gladly, and I was like, "Dang!" And him and her was like, "Dang, we got a son." Um, but we we have to continue with the revolution, but then we want to be around for our our son because they were seeing all the Panther members getting killed. Right. There was a lot so, of bloodshed. Yeah, it's like towards the end of it. To think about. Hmm. Wow. But yeah, it's very it's a very deep and emotional movie by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's sad too. Like, you know, you could see um William on the very edge and he find out that the FBI cuz Fred was going to go back to jail. You know, cuz of his pro, he was, he was out on probation, I believe. And he was going to go back to jail for five more years for for the alleged stealing $70 of ice cream. <laughs> right. The good humor ice cream. <laughs> it better be but Blue he, Bunny. I've got to tell you yeah, that. He was going to go something back for... to, he was gonna go back to jail for, for that. But Hoover decided he needs to die. Because if he's in jail, then he could still continue the revolution in jail. Right. So you see, like you said, when you come in, the I, I'm thinking it's like a cop, like a police restaurant, like you know, like the FBI eat at this place all the time. It's like an upscale white restaurant. So Bill come in with his sunglasses, like, "Yo, what's up? Hey, how you doing?" And the guy is like, um, "Bill." Why don't you draw me a blueprint of Hampton's apartment? And he's like, yeah, well, what for what? He's like, because we're going to kill him. So you can see him like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's like, well, are you a panther or are you a FBI informant? And, and the right. conflict in him was like, I don't even know who I am. <laughs> so I don't think he was either, to be honest. Right, he was struggling with his own identity at that yeah. point. Yeah, he had a major identity crisis. He's like, damn, who <laughs> am I? And he was like, well, or I can just take you back to jail. And he feared jail more so. Well, they would have killed him in jail, I believe, too, because they would have found out he was an informant. Right, either way it goes, he was. Yeah, even he, if, he wouldn't have died. survived jail. No, he wouldn't have. So he drew out this plan. He drew out Hampton's um, apartment. And that's when we have the infamous raid on Hampton's apartment where I don't know how many FBI agents it was, but they were in plain clothes, you know. They were, but also, too, remember this other scene. He's at this little hole-in-the-wall bar, William is. Oh, yeah. And and he's picking up on this girl, right? And he goes, "I'm, I'm an FBI agent. I'm like, are you stupid? Well, luckily, she didn't believe him. <laughs> right. But my first initial thoughts was, like, are you freaking stupid? Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. stupid? Because yeah. you don't know who's in that bar. You don't know who's listening. It could be a member of the Black Panthers being in that bar. She could be a member and not even know that she's a member and report back over to Hampton. Next thing you know, and Hampton winds up killing him. Well, see, she had a perm. It <laughs> 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 was natural. So, okay. so that's how you can spot. Okay, okay, I yeah, got you. I yeah, got you. Yeah, she wasn't a natural sister. So, <laughs> all right. But 
I also want to touch on something too. Remember when I was talking about the whole entire scene where he's at, where William's actually rebuilding the headquarters? Yeah. I loved when the whole entire community came out and rebuilt that. Mm-hmm. You had the yeah. Patriots over there. You had the Hispanics over there. You had the Puerto Ricans. You had the black people over there all rebuilding this sanctuary yes. for the Black Panthers. And yeah. it looks like a legit office space building, which is something that's just awesome of how they actually turned that out. It looked like 10 times better than what Fred even imagined it to be. Yeah, yeah, and and the the Black Panther chapter became a staple in the community. Like you said, I if you take care of the people, the people will take care of you. Yep. Like he's feeding the kids in the community, the breakfast program that the Black Panthers have, where they they feed them in the morning and then they tell them you're beautiful and you are somebody, you know, and then they right. teach them. Um. Because it, it was a poor neighborhood and there was a struggle to put food on the table. And if you have somebody taking care of you and, and providing food on the table or just like going out to clean the community, that's what I am glad this movie touched on that aspect of the Black Panthers. Me too. I'm glad it talked about their, um, I want to say it's the seven point program, but don't quote me. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I'm glad it talked about their community efforts to clean up Chicago and take care of the people, you know, and just all the things that they did to uplift the community. It was really just a grassroots campaign that the Black Panthers were. With I hate the cops. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like that's it's like a grassroots campaign. With the message of I down with the pigs, you know. <laughs> right. Well, so, also too, yeah. the cops also brought it on on themselves by harassing uh, the Black Panthers all day long, and also calling them names on the speaker and everything else, harassing them all the they time. They harassed the whole community too. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, but. Let's talk about that pimp that was. In that. Yeah, that's actually um, uh, he's a comedian. I know I forgot his name, Lil Lil Ray something something, but yeah, he's a comedian. The pimp. Yeah, but I just thought that was actually funny. Like, who are you? Come on, show me your badge. At that point, he didn't know who to trust. He doesn't know if he's an FBI informant. Or anything like oh, that, but wait, go back. Like where you know we're talking about the the not natural sister <laughs> that he told, okay. he told you know she went to the bathroom. She's like, "Taught me off a drink." So the other guy, the pimp, come over and he's like, "I forgot what he said to him, but he was like, um, oh, show yo, show Hampton this,' um, and he slid a newspaper over to him, and then." inside was like this little I thought it was some coke it was like a, a bottle of some substance and he was like um, yeah I'm an FBI agent too and I was like you can't trust nobody over here I thought that was a pimp <laughs> <laughs> damn man shoot they good <laughs> right Darn. because I remember yeah right. he was like oh you want him to know you want it to be easy on him don't you so just slip this in his drink 
And then he left. And then, like you said, he was like, show me your badge. And it was the badge that uh, William used when he used to do these fake raids on these bars right. to steal. Which I thought was actually funny in a way because it's like, okay, so now he's doing the same thing that Hampton did. Uh, not Hampton, but uh, William did and everything to him. And now we, and now William's not liking what he did to him. So it's like a reverse psychology type of thing. But yeah. my response to the very beginning of that was when the FBI agent asked him this, he goes, why are you posing as an office? Why are you posing as us? He said, because when you have that badge on, it's like you have an army behind you and you mm-hmm. can do anything that you want because you have that power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was something that I thought was actually pretty neat that I wanted to actually bring up from the very beginning, but I forgot. But at that time, whenever he was asking the pimp, who are you? It's like he can't trust anybody. It's like he doesn't know who's real, who's being real with him, and who's not being real with him. It's that line where he's like, okay, uh, is this something that he actually wants me to do? Is this guy really an agent? Or is this just somebody that doesn't like Hampton in the community that wants me to kill him or what? Mm, I, I thought he was an agent. I thought right. by giving him his original fake badge, because only the FBI had that badge, Right, that it was like uh, a threat. Like, you have to go through with this or else we're just going to out you. Like, William, right. at that point, didn't have any other solution besides go to jail, get murdered by the Panthers eventually, somebody in jail, or orchestrate in the murder of Fred Hampton. Like, I thought that was a threat, just giving him the bad, the fake badge that he used that the FBI confiscated. Exactly. So, like I said, it was just that struggle with him, with uh, Williams, though, of wondering who to trust. That was just my thoughts. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then when Hampton got out, and then he saw the office, and then they had a celebration. And um, and it was, a, I think, the, the party and even the crown, the crown, like the black game, they put up money for him to go to Africa. Because um, at that time, I think who... Huey Newton went to Liberia or somewhere, and I think Bobby Seale escaped too, and they wanted Hampton to escape so he can carry on the party. Um, what, what Hampton did differently was that he stayed, and he's like, put this money toward a hospital and name it after Jimmy, the, the guy that, you know, got shot in the police raid or whatever. Um, he was like, he said, is this about me or is this about the people? Exactly. So, he, so the money they gathered together to get him out of the country, he said put that toward a medical clinic for the community. Right. I agree with you on that. He should have. Um, yeah. That. I was like, wow, that's 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 brave. He's more brave than I am. I'd be like, where's my ticket? Because <laughs> I'm going somewhere else. Right, I had enough of shoot this. Me. Yeah, these people are going to shoot me. But even it's in like, this peace party, out. <laughs> you see um, William, and he is just divided. Like, he, he knows I have to put this in Hampton's drink. 
you know, and then he meets this other guy. He's like, hey, man, I'm brother such and such from this chapter of the Panthers. I used to be with this. I used to be that. What's your name? And I was like, is this guy another informant? Posing as a Panther? Yeah, that's what I thought, to be honest. Yeah, with or I, I was I was confused. I was like, is that a Panther or are we part of William's paranoia? But I think it was actually uh, someone that was actually posing as as an informant. But also, too, you didn't tell that William. Nobody. No, no. <laughs> and I thought I lived in a small town. Damn, Chicago's <laughs> not that not that big like Damn, I thought. Man. Yeah, I was like, is there is there like a a, a a litmus test that I can I can do? Where I can say that's a pig in disguise. <laughs> Throw your hands in the air if you're a pig. <laughs> Throw yeah, your hands in the air if you're an informant. How, how do you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Jeez. But, you know, this movie will pull on your heartstrings. This movie will leave you wondering what's going to happen next around the corner. Not only that, but also, too, with uh, the way that I really have to say that I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this movie a lot, to be honest with you. This is actually a perfect adaptation of what the Black Panthers are and not cliche by Hollywood bullshit and everything mm-hmm. where it's like, like I mentioned before at the very beginning, like all we saw, and like for example with Forrest Gump, with any of, any of the other films that we have out about history and things like that, all you saw was a beret, you saw a gun and you saw them with the leather jackets. You don't hear no background of who they are, how they came up, how Hampton came up from this, how he dealt the Black Panthers community, or anything like that. And with this, they took building blocks to give us that setting of who Hampton is, how he became who he is, how he made things, how he made everything work, how he made people be united and everything, how he was a threat to the FBI. This is what you need whenever it comes down to the history of things. Yeah, yeah, and 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 talking about the the ending part, where you know clearly he put something in his drink, and Hampton was right before that. Hampton was like, "You are right," and you know William was just torn in the face. He's like, "No, nah, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna get you another drink." He put it in his drink. Um, we cut to Hampton's apartment at night, and. One of the guys just stayed up late on watch duty, and he starts to see footprint shadows underneath the um the door. The door, and he wakes up everybody else, and then he gets his gun, and then you know, long story short, police raid Hampton's apartment, and they just spraying the place with gun bullets, like they must have shot like nineteen times. Yes, Hampton's automatic girlfriend. weapons. Yeah, Hampton. His try- girlfriend is trying to wake him up and he never wakes up. He just sleep. I don't know what he gave him, but he was just like in a coma state. Um, so they take the girlfriend out and then they go in the room with Hampton and they're like, oh, he looks like he's asleep. Bang, shoot him in the head. Bang, shoot well, remember, him all the time. Well, remember too, he also said, it looks like this guy's going to make it. And then oh, he yeah. shoots him. Yeah, yeah, because he wasn't dead. He was just in this deep sleep or whatever they gave him to knock him unconscious. Whatever Bill gave him to knock him unconscious. 
Right. He was shot. As a matter of fact, I was actually trying to do some research on this and everything, too, about how he died. Mm-hmm. And everything, all they said was Federal Bureau of Investigation uh, went on ahead and shot him in his apartment. And that's it. Yeah. And if you dig so. further, you know that. I didn't. I'm, now, I'm not sure if he was, um, what they said, they found fentanyl, uh, it was some kind of drug in his system. And I'm not sure if somebody put it in his drink or not, but he was asleep. He was in like a deep, yeah. unconscious state. And the police did shoot him in his bed. Okay, I found it. I found out what they did. Oh. It's uh, sec- uh, Seco, but... It's actually spelled S E C O B R B A R T B I T A L. Seco Barapatel or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a short acting vertebrate uh, uh, deficit drug that was presented in 1934 and basically is a sedative and hypnotonic uh, properties. So that's why he was just like in a that kind of state because that's what the medicine does to him. Puts him in that hypnotic state. Yeah. It's the equivalent of if you take uh like you let's say if you have a muscle pain. I don't I don't know any of this of Hampton, but let's say that you want to take a, a pill to go to sleep, right? Or you have back problems or you have like a muscle strain. And you take a muscle relaxer. It's kind of like that. It's like kind of like he took something, or somebody gave it to him. We we don't know that part. But whatever the main thing is, some he was in a it, it was a sedative in his system, yeah. and the police shot him. But then they were saying that oh he shot first and the panther shot them, and that's where all the bullets come from. But it of was course. known that the Panthers only shot once because they were yep. outgunned. So the thing is that the FBI committed murder because they yes. shot Hampton and he was defenseless because he was in this sedative, you know. It it really is heartbreaking to see that he died like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and And the community knew the truth. But in the newspapers, if you don't know anything about the Panthers outside in the newspapers, it was spent that the the Black Panthers shot first. And it was this giant uh, raid where they were shooting back and forth. And the police didn't have any chance. And, and Hampton got caught in the crossfire. That's how they spent it in the newspapers. And if you read that, you're like, what a violent organization. Yeah, he deserved to die. But the people in Chicago from the, and this is mentioned too in the Eyes on the Prize documentary, they have footage of just like rows of people in that community before the cops. <laughs> and this is weird. Um, they didn't really close off. You know how it's a crime scene, they close it off. So once they left, that was still open. That scene was still open. Right. Like took the bodies out or whatever. So the people in the community actually went inside Hampton's apartment and they looked and they was like, there's no way this is this could have happened. So they did their own investigation and people would go in there, news reporters went in there with cameras and 
And that was reported that the FBI did this. But it was like a little snippet on a paper that nobody read. And then once that started getting too much traction, that's when they closed it down, the crime scene. But before then, everybody in the community just went in and out. And looking and investigating everything for themselves and putting the pieces together. Yeah, they knew the truth. Um, but nobody didn't know the truth fully until, what, like a couple of years ago, where FBI reports are released now to the public. Like, oh, okay, the FBI did it. But think about how much time went by. Right. Over 30 years or more. Yeah. Yeah. And now we know the truth now that the people in the community knew. Most definitely. Yeah. So, and the, whether, you know, when that ends, I was talking to my parents about it. You can see the symbolism in the title of the film, right? It's called Judas and the Black Messiah. So by this point, you know that the Black Messiah equals Fred Hampton, right? And then Bill equals Judas. If you read your Bible, you know Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silk. So once William went to the FBI informant, the um, FBI agent for the last time in the fancy restaurant, he was like, so what's going on? You hear the news about the Panthers, and it's like, well, Hampton is dead, so it's nothing to talk about. And he gave him uh, silver keys to a, a business. Yeah, to the gas station. Yeah, and some money. And that was very symbolic of what Judas got paid off for uh, when he betrayed Jesus, like 30 And to be honest with you, it, it wasn't much money, though, that he gave him compared to yeah, all the like other times. 200 books <laughs> and uh, keys to the gas station. And that's what and he, he says. Right. And he's like, there's a lot of money in gas and everything, believe it or not. He, that's what he actually tells him. And yeah. the gas station is yours and the car is yours. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for killing Hampton. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I bet he's like all this for my freedom and all this yeah. for uh for killing Hampton and all I get is yeah. two hundred bucks in the gas station. Yeah. And a car. Yeah. Wow. This messed up. And and it really the is. part I like that too is that at the end of the film they show the actual footage of William O'Neill. Um, on Eyes of the Prize, which I'm assuming this is the only footage that they could borrow. <laughs> and they, right. they, you get to see the actual, the real William O'Neill talk. And they say, what do you think about your legacy? And he's like, well, history will tell my legacy. And, you know, I was just doing my part in, in the movement and, and whatever he was talking about. Right, and, because remember, they also said, how would you tell your kids about your legacy? Yeah. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, history will tell my legacy. Yeah. Right. And a couple of days after that aired, because that documentary aired on PBS in 1990. Yep, um, 1990. William committed suicide. So imagine carrying around all that guilt. Like, I got close to Fred Hampton, and I was a uh, part of his murder, and I have his blood on my hands, and you're carrying that around for like 30-something years. 
And then you have to drudge it back up for this documentary right. that is aired on TV. And just like Judas went out and hung himself, William committed suicide. It's very it's heartbroken to actually see yeah. someone go through that much guilt and tribulation mm-hmm. yeah. and come out with only $200, a gas station, and a car. And somebody's life is being taken away, and that person cannot get that life back now because that life has been taken away. And it's like, what did I fight for? I fought my for my own freedom. In the end, it also might my, my not only that, but it's my, his blood is also also on my hands. Yeah, for the rest of his life, and that was the only yep. interview that he did too. Was the Eyes on the Prize documentary. And it's the first time people are actually seeing the face of the man that was involved in Fred Hampton's murder. But I thought this, like I said, I'm glad that you introduced me to Eyes on the Prize. So that way I can yeah. reference that into this. Because without yeah. that, I would not have gotten the context behind it. So thank well, you. I'm, I'm glad that I could show that you got to see a piece of Eyes on the Prize before a PBS said swipe and took it off YouTube. Because it's not right. on YouTube, and you can't find it anywhere unless you know how to, like, hack stuff. But anyway, <laughs> you can't find it in PBS. I wish I had that sign that Frenchie had. I wish I had that thing. All of Tamika's ideas are not represented by Movie Lovers Unite. Uh, what are you talking about? I'm just saying, if you know how to hack some stuff, you can put it on there. But right. PBS went on YouTube and swiped right. off all those episodes of Eyes right. on Prize. So you can't even look at it. It says right. um, it goes against copyright violation, and this is not shown in your country. That's what it right. says. Right. Uh, so but, um, I have to mention that Fred Hampton's um, girlfriend and his son were consultants on this film, so they're alive to this day. So Fred Hampton Jr. It's like in his 40s or something. And I think he, um, didn't they say that they have, they came up with a, like another type of Black Panther party? Yeah, some type of other movement and everything that I thought that was really good. Yeah, so they were consultants yeah. on this film. And Ryan Coogler was an executive yep. producer who wrote Black Panther. So that's so something that I was really happy with. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Shaka King is the writer director. All right. So, what do you would you say like five out of five for you for this? If I could say ten out of ten, I would. Okay, we can do best out of ten. <laughs> we can do yeah. that. I definitely did. The pace was fantastic. The writing was good. Um, there was depth to all the characters. Um, you could you could really see the the inner conflict. Like nobody was one dimensional, you know. Right. Like even the FBI agent had layers to him, as well as William, and then Fred Hampton. And I think if you're doing a movie about the Black Panther movement, I think it's best to tackle it this way, where you you tackle it from like one person, like Fred Hampton, or Huey. Um, Lewis or Bobby Seal, like if you tackle it that way or somebody in the movement, then you can kind of spread out to talk about the Black Panther Party. 
I think that's the best way to do it. I agree. I tend, I agree with you. And I have over to actually um, say that there's a, a Netflix movie. I'm not sure you saw it. I think it's The Trial of the Chicago Seven, I want to say. But no, it, I haven't seen it that. Features, um, it features Bobby Seal because he was in the court and they gathered up like Bobby Seal and um, a couple other people from the hippie movement. But they were like the radical left. So they gathered up all these seven people and the the federal government was trying to charge them with some BS stuff. <laughs> um, but Bobby Seal was speaking out in court so much that they gagged him, physically gagged him and wrapped him in chains and set him in front of the courtroom. Like they bound and oh, wow. gagged him. And the somebody wrote, somebody drew that, you know those court drawers? And that was in the newspapers, and there was a lot of uproar about that. Like, that's illegal. You can't physically bound somebody and gag them. So, right. I'm, I want to say that it's called Trial of Chicago 7 or something like that. But that's a good movie. I'm going to check that out. Okay. I'm going to um, check that out. Sasha Borat, yeah, he plays that famous um, <laughs> famous hippie guy. I don't, man, I wish I knew his name. Yep. Borat. Uh, well, no, a... not um, the the guy who was part of the movement back then. Oh, but okay, he okay. This big, he was this Jewish guy. He was really tall Jewish guy. He used to have like this curly fro, and he used to just speak out a lot. And he kind of had, they kind of had like a movement that was kind of like a counter, I don't want to say counter, but it was kind of like the, the Panthers, but it was like yeah. uh, the white liberal movement where they were against the cops. Right. His I name is I Sasha his name. Sasha Baron Cohen. Well not him. I'm talking about a guy he plays. Well I'm trying to get you that information. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get you Okay. Oh. This is why I'm not a librarian. <laughs> Whatever John. Whatever. <laughs> but anyways I do have to say th- thank you for yeah, introducing me. It. Sorry, it's called The Trial of Chicago 7 and it's on Netflix. Okay, okay. cool. Thanks. Alrighty. So that's actually going to be it for the show and everything. I appreciate you taking out the time of your night and everything to review this movie with me. I enjoyed this movie. If I had a guess out of 5, it would actually be ten up 5 out of 5. And if I had to do this out of 10, it would be 10 out of 10 for me. It's a perfect film. It's perfectly well executed. And it pulls on all your heartstrings. It's one of those movies I can probably revisit again and everything. It does have an emotional level. So it might take me a little bit to actually try and rewatch this again, just like I did with 12 Years of Slave, because that's also another one that <laughs> I can't go back and revisit. Yeah. I can't I can't go back and revisit Woo. that film. Because of the fact that in the theaters, like I did pre COVID, right? <laughs> Way pre COVID, that's like pre log, uh, pre COVID. Oh, man, I had to take some time in the car, like, ooh, let me take a deep breath, like, root. right? I'm like, let me take a deep breath, let me take a deep breath. Okay, okay, <laughs> I'm here for you, okay, but thank you. You're very welcome. Keep me grounded. My, my, my white friends. That would take bullets for me. They keep me. I'll take um, a bullet for you. They keep me grounded because I have a little bit of Malcolm X in me mixed with Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. 
And so, anyways, so we're going to go on ahead and end this right now. If you guys want to and everything, follow me on Movie Lovers Unite on YouTube. Follow us on Movie Lovers Unite on on the audio format, wherever you guys get your uh, podcast from. Another thing, too, is, guys, we actually do have a place where you can actually donate to the, to us and everything as well. This is just to keep the lights on at Movie Lovers Unite. How do you do that? You just go to www.gofundme.com forward slash Movie Lovers Unite. Donate a couple of dollars to us and everything just to tell us how great that we're doing and they want to see more from us. Also, to go on ahead, get go to www.movieloversunite.com for all your entertainment needs and wants. And we actually post movie reviews, TV reviews, movie news. We do all that stuff on movieloversunite.com. You guys can also follow me on Pinterest at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. Of course, you can also catch me also on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit and also on John uh, DiGorio 8 on Twitter as well. And that's all the places that you can actually reach me on. We're actually doing something probably tomorrow night. I'm not 100% sure, but I think we might actually be doing our casino review tomorrow night. If not, uh, Charlie and I actually have something that we have planned out probably for stereo, so I can't wait to actually do that. So that's everything that you need to know where you can find me. You can also find audio podcasts where you get your podcasts from, and then, of course, on the YouTube channel as well. We are actually doing our Valentine's Day uh, review, and today we actually did 10 Things I Hate About You with Tara and I. Go ahead and check that out tomorrow whenever it's released. So that's everything that you guys know about me. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope that you guys enjoyed this and found this informative. And thank you again, Tamika, for taking the time out of your night. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. You're welcome. Anytime. All right, everyone. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on, on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest. From the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing, too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have, they also have finish. If you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person. How-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless.